World Central Kitchen is serving thousands of fresh meals to Ukrainian families fleeing home, as well as people remaining in the country. This week on Let's Talk About Food, host Louisa Kasdan spoke with Henry Patterson about his upcoming relief trip. So you're going to Poland, and I think you told me you're going to be there for at least two weeks. I'm going to Poland to help feed Ukrainian refugees with Jose Andreas's World Central Kitchen. I decided that's what I wanted to do for my 70th birthday. I leave in just a few days. We all see that what the Russians are doing is contemptible. As a food person, we all love to help. It's in our DNA. And here are people who really need our help. So if you want to help the Ukrainian refugees, either with money or even your hands and heart, find hashtag Chefs for Ukraine and World Central Kitchen. We have to do something. We can help. Remember, hashtag Chefs for Ukraine. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Comte Cheese Association. Comte, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at Comte-USA.com. That's C-O-M-T-E-USA.com. Hello, everyone. I am Carlos Escas. I am talking today with Asher, book author, cheesemaker, and raw milk cheese advocate. Welcome to the show, David. Uh, it's a pleasure to be back. Uh, thank you very much, Carlos. Sure. David was interviewed on episode 135 on October 12, 2015 by Dan- Diane Semple. They spoke just after the publication of David's book, The Art of Natural Cheesemaking. Since then, David has been busy traveling the world, teaching the techniques he wrote about uh, to cheesemakers and homesteaders. I had the opportunity to attend one of David's courses in Mexico, where where we hosted over 10 producers from all around the country. And most recently, I saw him in Spain at the World Cheese Awards as he was leading a tour for natural cheesemakers. His book, was recently released in Spanish language and is reaching new audiences. I have asked him to join me today to talk about what has been going on and his plans for the future. So, David, let me ask you, where are you right now? Uh, Currently in the the high desert of Arizona, uh, just outside of Tucson, Uh, about to give a cheesemaking class starting tomorrow. Exciting. So uh, you've been teaching all over the place. Where have you been? Where are you coming from? No, so um, mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm just uh, 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 on a short sort of American tour right now, um, uh, just off the heels of a, a really fun class down in, in Louisiana, uh, working with a, a farmer who's bringing buffalo back to the bayou um, and uh, uh, making some uh, uh, a wonderful uh, farmstead mozzarella and uh, teaching her neighbors about natural cheesemaking. Um, and, Exciting. <laughs> yeah, very fun. Um, the, the animals are so well suited to the south, and it was a, a, a real pleasure to work with uh, work with our milk and show people what's 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 possible. Um, uh, and uh, uh, the class there uh, was preceded by a course in Costa Rica, um, where we gave a class uh, with uh, Central American cheesemakers who came in from Nicaragua, Panama, and elsewhere. Um, and uh, that was uh, a fun course, uh, making uh, goat's milk cheese uh, by one of Costa Rica's uh, nicest beaches. <laughs> nice. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But you've been in uh, other places other than the U.S., Canada, and, and Central America, right? 
Yes, our, our travels over the past seven years since we uh, did this last show have taken us uh, around the world uh, a few times. Um, um, since uh, since the book was published, uh, we uh, have a hard have had a hard time saying no to invitations that have come out our way to teach these natural techniques. And so, uh, uh, for the meantime, this 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 this, uh, this past intervening years, uh, we haven't said no, and we've uh, we've. Uh, um, uh, we've headed to all sorts of interesting places. Uh, we've taught across uh, taught across Europe, uh, across uh, North, South, and Central America, across Australia, New Zealand, uh, even out to Indonesia, um, uh, uh, teaching natural techniques in chief. That's really exciting. So, for those people that don't know um, what your work is about, what your book is about, could you sum up for us um, what is that you're proposing in your book? So. Um, I, uh, I like to talk about uh, natural cheese making um, uh, uh, from a number of different perspectives. Um, uh, it's important uh, to consider uh, many different aspects uh, when, when we're talking about uh, talking about cheese. Of course, there's, there's lots to it. Um, but uh, from a natural perspective, uh, I, I like to emphasize it's important to consider the, the, the nature of uh, the milk. Of course, that's the foundation for uh, for the cheese, uh, the fermentation of that milk, the sort of uh, microbiological forces behind uh, milk's transformation. It's important to consider the, the rennet, the coagulation of the milk and, uh, and its origin, and uh, the natural, uh, the natural is significant in that regard, um, as well as the, uh, the, the the intricacies of the of the make from a natural perspective. Uh, so the, the actual handling of the curd, um, using natural materials, using natural perspective, natural um, natural ideas behind its, its transformation uh, is, uh, is fundamental to these natural cheese making techniques. And of course, I can get into lots of detail in each of those each of those subject matter. But it's uh, uh, it's important um, to realize that um, it's a, it's multifaceted um, and uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's micro, it's uh, cultural it's uh, agricultural, and it's biological, and it's microbiological. It, it, it fits all these fits all these different ideas. Cool. And so, if you know, sometimes it's easier to describe something by describing what is not. And so, yes. what would you say that is unnatural cheese making? So, um, uh, unnatural cheese making would be uh, a cheese that is made uh, with. I mean. Uh, cheese that was made is made with pasteurized milk, although uh, there are exceptions to that. Uh, cheese that's made with freeze-dried starter cultures, which is the most uh, common uh, uh, common source of uh, fermentation in uh, cheese making today. Uh, cheese that's made with uh, um, uh, 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 synthetic enzymes. Uh, these include uh, uh, the most commonly used uh, 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 enzymes, such as uh, genetically modified enzymes produced by companies like Christian Hansen. Um, as well as um, uh, microbial enzymes uh, produced by the same company um, uh, that are dominating the market today. Um, uh, it's uh, uh, cheese that's made without uh, uh, the use of uh, uh, um, plastic, preferably, uh, which is a, a material that's, uh, that's used by uh, the vast majority of cheesemakers today in uh, huge, uh, huge amounts that's not really talked about, uh, that's um, unsustainable and uh, 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 comes from a questionable place, um, and uh, it's uh, it's about uh, approaching cheese from a, a perspective that's more in touch with uh, the traditions 
uh, traditional materials, traditional ingredients, etc. That was nice. And so the so, so for I guess for some of the listeners out there that um, you know, these will be kind of interesting questions because you know they they even hear from their their rep or you know a salesperson, you know, this cheese is traditional or this cheese is raw milk, but that doesn't actually mean that a cheese is natural in, in the sense that you're saying is natural. Is that right? Yeah. I, I would agree, I would agree with that, Carlos. Yes, um, for 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 a cheese to be to be made from a natural perspective, it m- must en- it should encompass all of these ideas. And for the most part, when cheesemakers are making a raw milk cheese, uh, they're considering you know the the, the milk as a, as a as a natural ingredient, hopefully coming from animals out on pasture eating appropriate feeds. But when they when they ferment that milk when they ferment that raw milk they're often introducing a, a culture that's not from the milk uh, they're using a, a packaged freeze-dried starter culture uh, from a company like Danisco or dupont of course these these companies that, that produce the vast majority of ingredients used by cheesemakers worldwide um, and uh, uh, this ingredient uh, 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 causes their cheese to evolve in a certain way uh, that's different than uh, what a cheesemaker would uh, uh, would uh, would find if they worked with uh, microorganisms that were indigenous to their milk that they could cultivate using traditional or more natural techniques. In addition, that raw milk cheese might be made with a, a genetically modified rennet, uh, which is the most common coagulant used in cheese making today. Uh, and so, uh, uh, simply uh, stating that a cheese is, is raw milk often isn't 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 enough from a natural perspective, but hopefully will uh, will encompass a number of these other ideas in its production. Right, and so and so one of the things that you talked uh, with Diane back seven years ago was mm-hmm. um, that when you were researching for this book, um, it, it was your impression that almost 99% of cheesemakers in North America were making, um, were using these freeze-dry cultures, these um, you know, coagulants uh, to make their cheese. After all, all this travel that you have done, have you experienced the same in other parts of the of the world? Is this the same in Europe? Is this the same in Latin America? Are, are these um, culture houses and big uh, chemical companies also enter the market to the point that um, most cheesemakers are, are using their uh, products? So it, I would imagine the last seven years, um, these uh, these uh, these freeze dried starter cultures and synthetic synthetic rens- uh, enzymes have have made their way even more insidiously into the cheese making of, of many parts of the world where natural cheese making may have been formerly practiced. Um, in my travels, uh, encountering traditional cheese making in in, in Central America, uh, I come uh, started to come across the uh, you know the signs of. Uh, these 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 cultures, these enzymes being used by local cheesemakers, whereas previously they would have been using uh, their milk's own microorganisms or a rennet that would have been produced within their within their community from often from the the, the stomachs of the, the, the farm's animals. Um, it would seem as though um, uh, uh, the trajectory of cheesemaking today is is, is is on a course, you know, still away from uh, the natural, uh, despite my my efforts trying to persuade cheesemakers to go in the opposite direction. Um, uh, the, the 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 power of the of the, the the industry, the power of the the uh, the, the, the the makers of these uh, cultures and enzymes really uh, encourages uh, uh, cheesemakers to, to to continue on that course. Right. And um, uh, as I've as I've traveled around the world, I've come to be you know less surprised by the presence of these cultures and these enzymes. They they seem to be everywhere. Um, almost, almost without, almost without, without exception, 
the exception being um, uh, sort of mountains or islands in uh, in in Europe or uh, South America uh, uh, that are sort of have remained sort of inaccessible to to these uh, modernizations, um, where cheesemakers are still practicing cheese the way they they originally were, um, that are still in touch with their traditions, that are still you know fermenting using wood or using uh, uh, natural starter cultures that are still often working with their own uh, with their own regions rendered, which is uh, quite quite remarkable to observe, but in, in becoming increasingly rare. Right, and I think that was one of the interesting things. For example, when uh, for the for the for our, our listeners, um, David has been helping me try to uh, get a hold of some Ukrainian cheesemakers. And one of the things that I have heard from them in these interviews that I'm conducting is that um, although the the cheesemaking has slowed down because of of the invasion of uh, Russia to Ukraine, um, mm -hmm. there's still cheesemaking be, uh, happening and, and this producer is still making. But one of the questions uh, that, that people have and one of the needs that people have are specifically for these enzyme, these lactic cultures uh, that they were getting from um, you know the culture houses and now they cannot get them and so it is kind of interesting how this actually ends up being also a conversation about uh, supply chain disruptions mm -hmm. that you know it was very clear to to many of us during the pandemic but these uh, disruptions can happen at many times and it ends up impacting the way that you know uh, uh, some cheeses even what we will call traditional cheeses are being impacted mm -hmm. in the production processes yeah these, these natural cheese making techniques have found some have found a relevancy in some surprising circumstances and I really wasn't really wasn't expecting much of this um, when I wrote the book um, uh, certainly in the, in, the, in the circumstances in, in the Ukraine currently which are really really unfortunate really uh, uh, really shocking uh, you know dairy farmers farmstead cheesemakers there still are, are milking their animals they still have to uh, they haven't been able to uh, you know they aren't able to leave their farms um, uh, uh, so much is on the line but they continue milking they continue making cheese and they, they have to work in the circumstances that they are in in order to preserve that milk and uh, these natural cheese natural cheese making techniques uh, of course are uh, very well suited to their circumstances because they aren't able to receive uh, uh, the usual shipments of freeze-dried starter cultures. Uh, their supply chain is cut by the war. And they have no option uh, often but to produce their own rennet. Um, it's, uh, it's something that, you know, fortunately has been, you know, to some extent come to the, come to the rescue of cheesemakers there who have found themselves uh, really um, in uh, dire circumstances. Um, right. Uh, yeah. In um, um, many parts of the world that are, uh, cut off uh, from the normal supply chains for other reasons. These natural cheesemaking techniques are are, are very very relevant, um, are very very helpful for cheesemakers to be able to preserve their milk without the usual uh, 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 ingredients that are believed to be necessary. And uh, the book has received like surprising uh, uh, has been received surprisingly well in many parts of Central and South America, where cheesemakers don't have access to the standard uh, ingredient list or materials that are typically available to makers in, in North America and Europe. And uh, cheesemakers have often found a, a, a freedom with these techniques to help them uh, allow their cheeses to evolve in their most, uh, their most exceptional way. Right. And so uh, before we get to the philosophical questions where I, after, after the break, I want to ask first, could you tell me what have you learned from traveling to all these places and meeting so many people? Wow, um, so much, um, uh, so much comes to mind. Um, uh, having traveled so so many places and met so many people along the way, um, but I, I suppose um, 
uh, uh, what sh strikes me, I suppose, in all my experiences uh, teaching you know, these natural techniques around the world is how is how universal, um, universally they can be applied in any circumstances by any, by anyone anywhere, um, uh, and how uh, people uh, bringing these uh, uh, techniques into their own uh, into their own uh, uh, realms are able to realize this this sort of uh, new uh, opportunities for cheese, um, and. Um, uh, uh, it's been uh, quite extraordinary to see how uh, 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 people are uh, 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 open to these ideas and receptive towards these ideas and uh, these unlikely, unlikely circumstances um, often, and how they um, are, are able to make these uh, make these uh, natural uh, natural ideas work uh, wherever they are in the world. Right, that's a that's a good learning. Are you planning a second book? <laughs> So yes, Carlos. Uh, uh, with the help of, of much of that I've learned along my uh, along my travels, with uh, uh, you know getting to see and witness uh, traditional cheesemakers around the world, uh, uh, I've uh, I've expanded you know my cheesemaking repertoire and have lots more recipes to share. Um, I am. I have uh, explored the, the fermentation of milk from many more many more angles, and uh, I'm excited to to, to bring uh, more uh, more techniques. Uh, 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 to cheesemakers, um, uh, I've been exploring the, the use of uh, uh, wooden um, wooden wooden materials, wooden cheesemaking vats, and uh, natural natural containers as uh, uh, mediums for carrying culture forward, um, and uh, uh, looked into the, the many traditional ways in which uh, rennet is produced around the world. And uh, I have a lot more to share these days. And uh, in, in some ways, the the, the first book um, uh, uh, is is is, um, is lacking in these regards, I suppose. Uh, when I first wrote it uh, seven years ago, it's a long way back. Um, I was, uh, you know, uh, I'd just been exploring natural cheesemaking techniques for three or four years, and I was very very excited uh, to bring uh, uh, these ideas uh, uh, into a book. Um, and in the intervening years, I suppose I've refined and. Uh, refined my style and explored a lot more uh, diverse, different fermentations. And uh, uh, what I'm writing these days, which is you know, almost complete, um, is a more uh, a full circle exploration of this uh, natural cheesemaking practice um, uh, that offers uh, an even more, uh, 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 even deeper, even more exciting uh, opportunities in natural cheese. Wonderful. Well, we're looking forward to that second book. Um, let's mm -hmm. take a minute now to listen to, uh, from our sponsors. But before that, let me tell you about HRN's business membership drive. We all know that small businesses keep our communities vibrant. For $500, HRN will shine a light on your work and you will help sustain our mission to span the way people think about food. This fundraiser will support not just this show, but the amazing HRN community of food podcasts. As a thank you for this tax-deductible donation, your business will receive on-air mentions, social media posts, listing, listings on our websites, and more. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash biz to become a business member today. That's heritageradionetwork.org slash B-I-Z. Thank you. Now, a word from our sponsors.
This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Conte Cheese Association. Conte Cheese Association represents the Conte PDO, Conte Protected Designation of Origin in the USA. Conte is a raw milk cooked pressed cheese from the Jura Mountains of France. There, every day, 2,500 family farms deliver milk to over 150 local cheesemaking facilities, or fruitiers. This milk must be transformed into Conté within 24 hours of milking to preserve the lactic microflora in the milk, ensuring the cheese's aromatic potential. About 105 gallons of milk are required to craft a single wheel of Conté. Conté takes time to acquire its flavors in the affinage cellars. After eight months of aging by dedicated affineurs on average, each wheel of Conté is graded and shipped to market. No wheel of Conté is the same. Its flavors speak to the pastures where the cows grazed, the season in which it was made, the particular craftsmanship of the cheesemaker, and the time spent in the aging cellar. Therefore, every wheel of Conté is unique. Learn more about Conté, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at Conté-USA.com. That's C-O-M-T-E hyphen U-S-A dot com. Welcome back to the show. I am Carlos Escas, and today I have author and raw milk cheese advocate and natural cheesemaker David Asher joining me from Arizona. As we heard before the break, David has been traveling around the world teaching his cheese his teach cheese making techniques. We also hear about what he has learned in his journey and ideas for a second book. Now, David, let me ask you, your book lives in a very interesting space between dairy and fermentation, where people interested in fermentation are actually encouraged to make cheese. Books on other ferment foods have opened whole new markets for traditional products. Uh, kimchi, kabas, mm -hmm. um, like a type of product. Do you think your book has had a similar effect in, in the cheese industry? Is there a growth in natural cheese making? Do you think? Uh, great question, Carlos. Um, so I, I do believe there has been a growth in, in natural cheese making, at least in certain parts of the world. Um, there are other advocates um, uh, for natural methods that have great, made great headway. Um, uh, uh, alongside me, including uh, Peter Dixon, who's done very good work uh, uh, with his uh, uh, Parish Hill Creamery, uh, encouraging cheesemakers across America to adopt natural, natural cheesemaking techniques. Um, uh, I have uh, uh, opened up, I believe, a lot of cheesemakers' minds about uh, different styles of cheese that are uh, very well suited to these natural techniques. Uh, for example, um, uh, uh, I see a lot more uh, cheesemakers internationally um, following these natural techniques and uh, producing uh, 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 wrinkly rinded natural natural uh, geotrichum candidum rinded uh, lactic coach cheeses and cow's milk cheeses based on the recipes of the book styles that cheesemakers would never have considered before or wouldn't have thought of, of uh, following through with uh, that wouldn't have believed that it would have been possible in their own milk or their own circumstances or that wouldn't have known about the, the styles without without the sort of uh, uh, influence of my book. Um, this uh, uh, fermentation, this connection, um, uh, uh, isn't something necessarily that cheesemakers consider when they start a batch of cheese. Um, they often, you know, add the 
trees drive starter culture. Uh, but when uh, these natural starter cultures like kefir or clabber are introduced into the milk, uh, these new possibilities of fermentation are realized that uh, really bring out the, like the full, a full character of the, of the cheese that the cheesemakers are seeking to make. Um, much more simply and much more elegantly without the use of these, uh, these, uh, these synthetic starters. Um, and uh, uh, the, the, the way in which this approach is, is realized is, is, is in, in many ways, uh, uh, in practice, actually very uh, more aligned with the traditions of sourdough, bread baking, natural winemaking, natural fermentation of vegetables and such, and very much counter to the way that uh, most cheese is made today. Hmm. And uh, in, 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 in some ways, these natural cheese making ideas have been better received in the, this wide world of fermentation than in uh, the cheese making community um, uh, in some parts of the world, uh, because cheesemakers don't necessarily see cheese as a, as a, as a, as a fermented food. Um, the way that they uh, approach the, the, the medium is one uh, of, uh, of, uh, uh, of uh, microbiological control. Uh, uh, they speak of a, you know, acidification. They speak of uh, a bacteria, but the term uh, fermentation isn't always uh, applied because of the uh, 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 because cheesemakers don't practice it within that sort of. Uh, that sort of space. Um, they don't save culture. They don't consider um, like uh, natural yeast and fungi of the milk to be important in milk transformation. In fact, they work against the natural fermentation of the milk in order to control the cheese in the way they want to. Right. And uh, that's what I always find so interesting that although there seems to be a growth in natural cheese making in some parts of the world, even in the United States, in, with people like um, um, Peter Dixon and Rachel, Rachel Shaw mm -hmm. at, um, and others in and, and others, um, you know, like the people at Cato Corner, um, mm -hmm. there is actually kind of a resistance to adopting some even the most basic conceptions of fermentation and and actually just maintaining this uh, this no this very technological knowledge of the 1950s that sort of pushed forward uh, mm -hmm. what we will consider uh, you know a big uh, commercial cheeses. So let me ask, what do you think there is uh, such a resistance or maybe why, to put it in a positive light, like why, why has the, the North American cheesemaking um, community has been so slow in adopting uh, natural cheesemaking in ways that, you know, winemakers or, you know, mm. uh, bread uh, producers have not um, had, had such a slow uptake? That's right. Yeah, so sourdough bread baking is like seeing such an extraordinary revival. And natural winemaking, natural brewing—you know—they're producing the natural winemakers, natural brewers are producing the, the drinks to drink. Uh, but in cheesemaking, uh, cheesemakers have been uh, uh, surprisingly resistant to this idea of natural fermentation, about saving starter cultures. Um, and I, I think it's, it, there's several reasons why. Uh, one is that um, uh, uh, cheesemakers have, have almost never consider doing things a different way. Uh, it's been, you know, many generations uh, often that cheesemakers have been using these these these, these freeze-dried uh, starter cultures um, uh, and the, the whole uh, suite of technologies that goes along with them. Um, uh, cheesemakers are often steeped in this in this, in this culture and, and uh, don't consider another way uh, uh, because they have a lot on the line when they have a, a big batch of cheese uh, that they're making. They have you know, hundreds, if not thousands, of, 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 of gallons uh, in their vats. 
um, and to lose a, like a single batch of cheese uh, uh, with these new fangled, uh, new fangled natural starter cultures is a, is a, is a, is a great concern. Uh, cheesemakers don't believe that they'll work as well, uh, which is an unfortunate and I believe false belief. Uh, 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 they believe that these uh, selected starter cultures provided by uh, you know, uh, uh, distant cultural laboratories in, in Europe raised by microbiologists will provide the fermentation that they need in order for the cheeses to evolve in the best way. Uh, they feel it's the most secure thing to do. Um, uh, 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 but um, uh, putting it all on the line with these natural starter cultures just seems just too risky. Uh, there's concerns about uh, food safety, of course, about the concern of backslop, about the starter culture carrying forward unwanted microorganisms from one batch to the next. Uh, 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 but from what I understand about these natural techniques and from what I've experienced, that doesn't happen. These uh, traditional starter cultures actually do a very good job of keeping these unwanted microorganisms in check. It can help a, a cheesemaker perhaps even achieve a, a greater degree of food safety within their dairy uh, because they, they they are in fact a, a more effective fermenters than the uh, single strains of freeze-dried starter cultures that cheesemakers often use uh, in their cheeses. Um, and, and maybe another reason why uh, cheesemakers aren't readily adopting these natural cheesemaking techniques, um, in the United States at least, is the... Um, uh, the, 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 is that the industry itself is, um, uh, I suppose, uh, uh, not seeing very many new cheesemakers um, who might be excited mm. about these ideas. Uh, the the cheesemaking industry uh, is uh, is hard to get into. It's very expensive, uh, uh, startup costs wise, um, and young makers who might be more excited or interested about these new ideas as opposed to an older established cheesemaker aren't necessarily uh, uh, becoming producers uh, because of the incredible hurdles towards uh, producers who are interested in going in this direction. Um, and so, uh, you know, in some countries where there's a lot more younger people taking up the practice uh, in the UK and France and the Netherlands and Spain and such, uh, these uh, natural cheesemaking ideas are in fact uh, very excited, very exciting, and are getting people thinking about doing things very differently than their, uh, than their predecessors uh, in the industry. Um, uh, there might be other reasons, but those are those are the two that come to mind right now. Right, those those are wonderful uh, insights. I I obviously because of my work, I always think about how the regulator has actually uh, in has had a hand in creating uh, an environment that is non-conducive to actually right. looking for different ways. You know, the regulator, mm -hmm. the FDA, the the uh, Health Canada, and um, and yeah. I would say that the Secretaría de Salud in Mexico, which is really the regulator, mm -hmm. the, the three of them together do the same purpose in North America. Right. Has has been, uh, you know, to 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 sort of stop that sort of innovation and 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 that uh, looking forward. But at, the, but at the same time, uh, it should be understood that there's nothing necessarily legal about these natural practices when they're uh, adopted into a, into, a, into a dairy, whether it be in North America or, or Europe or, or, or Mexico. Um, cheesemakers can practice these natural cheesemaking techniques in a clean and certifiable way. Um, uh, but there has to be some uh, 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 conversation and, 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 and back and forth between the inspectors and the, the, the producers in order for the inspectors to not be wary of these natural techniques. And the, 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 the cheesemakers themselves need to be um, educated and uh, uh, prepared uh, for uh, uh, to, prepare to, to prove that these natural techniques are safe and effective in their dairy. And they, they, they should be able to do so um, uh, with uh, the help of microbiological testing, with the help of uh, 
uh, record keeping and so on and so forth. And perhaps even you know, simply uh, cultivating these natural starter cultures on uh, sterilized milk in between batches to alleviate concerns of, uh, of, uh, of microbiological transfer. You're, you're completely right. And I think that that's one of those things that it, it, it really is one of those spaces that uh, I feel that not a lot of people understand that there is actually nothing within the law that will not allow mm-hmm. you to use this. Nothing stopping tools. you. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm always, I was always uh, a work surprise when I will get these emails from from home cheesemakers telling me that they needed to pasteurize the milk in their own home to make their own mm-hmm. cheese for their own consumption. I was like, that is just, you you know, you don't have to comply with law here <laughs> for any reason. <laughs> you are in your home. But, uh, yeah. but it, it is, I think, part of the, part of the, uh, what the regular would say is a very effective way in which they have entered the conversation, but they actually, I actually think yes. it's a very ineffective way in which they have made people really afraid of dealing um, with with raw milk. Um, yes. So uh, let me just jump from this uh, question about the slow taking onto what it, what do you think um, needs to happen for. Uh, more cheesemakers to adopt these natural cheesemaking practices? Oh, well, uh, I think it, it would be helpful for, for more cheesemakers to adopt them. Uh, what can I say? Uh, more cheesemakers showing that this is possible to be done in a dairy in, you know, in the United States or Canada uh, will help encourage other cheesemakers to do the same. And I, I see that beginning to happen. I see these, these, these ideas beginning to infiltrate, beginning to, 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 to help cheesemakers change their mind. A uh, number of high-profile cheesemakers in the United States have begun to consider these natural techniques, um, uh, including uh, 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 well-known producers uh, Jasper Hill uh, in uh, in Vermont, who are uh, uh, cultivating in-house starter cultures using techniques like the ones that I share, um, and who are even growing uh, their own uh, penicillium roqueforti fungal culture on uh, uh, loaves of sourdough bread uh, grown by their local local bakers, who are friends of mine. Um, uh, uh, having uh, high-profile uh, raw milk cheesemakers like that show that natural is possible in their dairies, I believe, will help turn the tide uh, and help cheesemakers consider doing things a little bit differently. Consider keeping their own starter cultures in house or uh, uh, growing their own fungi, or maybe even uh, producing their own rennet, although that's probably a long shot. Um, but um, uh, 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 I think it's a, it's something that's going to take time. I, I don't expect established commercial cheesemakers to simply change at the, uh, you know, to just like s- switch at any moment. But uh, at the same time, a, a cheesemaker could switch over to natural techniques uh, in their dairy in uh, about one week. Uh, uh, and never have to buy freeze-dried starter cultures again, save themselves uh, endless endless time um, and trouble with these uh, often uh, questionable cultures. Right. And once they once they once they turn to the natural side, uh, I believe there's 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 never going back. <laughs> yeah. No. I I have seen it in some of the cheesemakers that um, have starting to adopt some of the practices because um, you know some of cheesemakers do the sort of ones that are that seem maybe easier to them and then you know they gradually start adding more uh, of these practices and and there really is never going back to to some of the other ways um what do you think cheesemongers can do to push forward this change um and mostly i'm asking because you know this show is is listened by uh Mm -hmm. cheesemongers uh, as well as cheesemaker but uh, cheesemongers also may be able to play a role in these conversations 
So uh, yeah, cheesemakers are of course an important interface uh, between producers and, and the public. Um, and um, I think it's important that uh, that uh, that uh, that uh, mongers uh, educate themselves about these uh, natural ideas, that they learn a little bit more about uh, the rennet that cheesemakers use in their in their cheeses and uh, understand where it comes from. Uh, they uh, perhaps talk to producers when they come to their shops uh, about uh, about the starter cultures that they use, and maybe have an have a have an eye-opening conversation with them about all this. Often, uh, mongers don't really consider uh, what it takes to transform milk into cheese, um, and the different different ingredients and different different stages uh, of production. And uh, perhaps going out to visit local cheesemakers who are producing uh, uh, natural cheeses could be an eye-opening, uh, wonderful experience. And uh, there's there's a few around America that you can go out and visit. Uh, like uh, the folks at uh, uh, folks at uh, Parashell Creamery, uh, 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 there's a really good cheesemaker uh, based outside of uh, New York City called Bobble Link Dairy uh, that uh, uh, has a, a complete natural cheesemaking program. That's uh, uh, remarkable to witness. So there, there might be a producer out in your neck of the woods uh, who can open up your eyes into the beauty of natural techniques and why it's important uh, to consider uh, 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 more traditional ingredients in, in cheese. Wonderful. Yeah, I will also uh, encourage cheesemongers. We, I, I actually was having a conversation today about Bubble Link, and I was uh, learning mm -hmm. all about um, about them. Uh, for uh, hopefully, we can bring them for a future episode. Um, I would. Um, uh, we're about to end, but before we go, I would like to know where are you teaching next, and where people can find um, where you're going to be teaching, and how to find you. All right, so uh, folks can find out more uh, about my upcoming workshops at, at my at uh, at my, my school, my school's website. My school is called the Black Sheep School of Cheesemaking, and I have uh, upcoming classes on the, the the west coast of Canada in upcoming months. Uh, in British Columbia and uh, in Alberta as well. Uh, there will be a, a couple of classes in the United States coming up in Vermont, an uh, introduction to natural cheesemaking class and uh, a second level natural cheesemaking class at uh, my favorite Sterling College. And then uh, this fall, I'll be uh, headed off overseas to continue my tour in Europe. Wonderful. Well, I look forward to seeing you on this side of the pond. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, please do follow uh, David Asher at uh, on Instagram. He, you can find him at the Black Sheep School. Uh, and of course, you can um, look at his website, which has all sorts of um, useful information, as well as if you want to learn some Spanish, go and buy the book in Spanish now as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time today, David. All right. Thanks very much, Carlos. Great to talk to you. Uh, listeners, please also check out other shows on the Heritage Radio Network. We are very happy to be a community of food podcast, and uh, we uh, really welcome your support. Thank you. Bye. Cutting the Curd is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. 
Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Katie Mosman-Wadler, Executive Director of HRN. HRN is dedicated to amplifying small businesses that keep our communities vibrant. Today, I'm asking business owners to take part in our business membership drive by supporting HRN's mission with a $500 membership. HRN will shine a light on your work, and you'll help sustain our mission to expand the way eaters think about food. As a thank you for this tax-deductible donation, your business will receive on-air mentions, social media posts, listings on our website, and more. You'll also play an essential role in keeping nonprofit food radio on the air. Go to heritageradionetwork.org biz to become a business member today. That's heritageradionetwork.org slash B-I-Z. Thank you for your support.